All right, just one more illustration, then we'll move into some practice. I've been giving you a lot of theory that you probably already heard, but that's okay. Just suppose that every church member decided, I'm going to give a Bible study. When I was doing Bible work in Tennessee, we had little kids, nine-year-old girls. Girl, she was nine years old. She was out leading people to baptism. In our school last year, we had our students going out giving Bible studies. One person got baptized through that. But just suppose every church member said, I can give a Bible study. Just one. How long does the Bible study take? One hour. Let's suppose you, you, have, you have 50 people attending your church, or all members, or 50 attending members, and every person, let's just say every person was able to get a Bible study. Now, typically, let's just say it's 40. Let's just say you have 50 people attending, but only 40 can do it. Typically, about one out of every four people will be baptized that you study with. So if 40 people are given Bible studies, how many baptisms are that at the end of the year? Ten. Maybe more. Because that many people are working, God will bless you more. I'm just going by the average. So now I have in my church how many members? Fifty. And listen, let me, let me say this. When I baptize people, before I baptize them, I ask them, do you have somebody in your family or friend that would want to study the Bible? I want you to go ask them if they would study the Bible. Because those, newly bat those new members, they're not afraid. They're not scared. They're not like the Laodicean lukewarm Adventists, right? They're excited. And I say, I want you to go out and find people to study the Bible with. And let me tell you, we baptized a guy in April of this year, like two months ago. And he's already given Bible studies. We baptized a guy in December in Lansing, given Bible studies. Baptized another lady in Lansing. She's given Bible studies to her best friend. Baptized, let's see, there was another one, I don't remember. But these people, I asked them right before they're baptized, who do you have that would want to study the Bible? There's none of this business of, oh, we need to give them a year to get comfortable in the church. Yeah, we need to give them a year to get comfortable and not want to do anything because they hang around other lukewarm Adventists who tell them, oh, you don't need to, to do this and that. No, we want them moving now, because that's how you change the culture of your church. Amen? So I send my Bible worker with them. I say, I want you to go, and I want you to give two Bible studies, and they're going to watch you. And then, after you do that, you go with them again, and you have them give the study, and then after that, they're on their own. I tell my Bible workers, you don't go give a Bible study unless you have a church member with you. That's where it's at, amen? And as you become more experienced, you'll be the one coordinating all those people in your church who are then giving Bible studies, okay? So now I have 50 members, and let's just say I have another, I have 40 that'll still give Bible studies, right? I still have 40. So I go out and I win 10 more. And that's how you build growth. Does that make sense? That's how you build growth. So we're not now just adding members. We're now what? We're now multiplying, okay? We're now multiplying. And it becomes exponential potential. All right, so how do we invite people to, get, to take Bible studies? It's very simple. It's very practical. And I have little, eight little scenarios here that talk about different types of people who you might ask Bible studies to give Bible studies to. What you have to remember is that <clears throat> everybody, somebody, not everybody is going to say yes. 
There's going to be some people that are going to say what? No. If you will go into asking people to take Bible studies with the mindset of knowing ahead of time that some will say no, it won't freak you out as bad. Does that make sense? It's very, it's very simple. Look, what in life can you do where everybody's going to say yes? Nothing. I saw this video on YouTube where this guy was going around to people in the streets trying to give them free $100 bills. And he was like, I just want, I just want you to know that, you know, I'm just trying to do an act of kindness and I, I just want to give you $100. And some people took it and they were excited. And other people said, they were looking at the guy and they were like, no, no, what are you trying to do to me? You know, I, and they said, no, people were refusing free money. So if people are going to refuse free money, they're also going to refuse what? But listen, at the end of them saying no, did you die? Are you still alive? Praise God. Now you can move on and ask somebody else. So we are looking for, I think I heard, uh, how many of you heard Sean Boonstra's sermon on Sabbath morning, right? About you're looking for people that are convicted, that are interested. And there's going to be, and there may be somebody that's not interested today, but next month they might be interested, or next year. Does that make sense? Because people are on different journeys, and the Holy Spirit is working in their life, and they may not be ready yet, but we are looking for the ripe ones. Does that make sense? And some people say, well, I've been, I've been, I've been doing my evangelism. I've been working with my, with my neighbor for 25 years, and, and he's still not there, but one day, but he's not ripe yet. Okay? And there's different ways God begins to bring conviction in people's life for right. But we're looking for people to right. So don't be, don't be bothered if people say no. Just keep going. Okay? Because if you ask enough time, somebody's going to say yes. It's just the simple law of, of, of statistics. Somebody will say yes at some point. If they say no, no big deal. It's not Just let it roll off your back. If you knew that, that your children... We're going to die if you didn't go in because you didn't have enough money to buy food. If you didn't go in and ask for a raise, how many of you would do it? And you thought, well, he might say no, but you'd say, you know what, my kids got to eat. And I, how much more important is the eternal value, all right? So be bold, be bold. All right, so number one, the person who doesn't know a whole lot about the Bible. How many of you have met somebody like that? That's becoming more and more common. And why might they say no to you about giving them Bible studies if they don't know a whole lot? Why might they say no? Because they they'll be embarrassed, right, that they don't know a lot. So how many of you know people like this? You know that they don't know a lot, but they don't want you to know that they don't know a whole lot, right? And you want to study the Bible with them. So the way that I do is I approach it on the same level with them. Make sense? So I'll say, you know, maybe I've, I've been in a spiritual conversation with them. You know, we've a, I've asked them, well, what do you think about these world events or whatever? And they say this or that. And I say, well, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about that. And um, uh, so maybe we've had some kind of a, a spiritual discussion. Okay. And I think that they talk to you about how to get the, how to start that. But I'll say something like this. You know, I have a great set of Bible studies, and they look very exciting. I don't want to do them alone. 
I'm looking for someone to do them with me. Would you be willing to do them to help me learn more about the Bible? How does that sound? Does that sound nice? Are they going to be threatened by that? Now, they may not know much about the Bible. They may be thinking, well, how am I going to help them learn? Well, maybe it's not you that's instructing me, but you're helping me because we're going to do it together. and We're going to figure out what we can find. Does that make sense? So easy to do. So come down to their level. Don't have to, it doesn't always have to be you that's going to be instructing them. You can just say, hey, we're just going to learn together because let me ask you, are you going to learn something from those Bible studies? Sure you are. Are they going to be exciting? Do you want to do them alone? No, so you're not deceiving people. You're telling the truth, aren't you? You're just being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So that's how I respond to a person. I've gotten tons of Bible studies that way. Hey, would you help me? Because I, I really want to do this, but I don't want to do it by myself. I want to learn more about the Bible, but it's just kind of hard to do it alone. Could, could we do it together? And they'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Because secretly they're thinking, I, I want to know more about the Bible too, but they're, they're, they're too afraid to do it by themselves, right? So you're just going to learn together. Very simple, very easy. How about a friend or a family member? I think I heard Pastor Mark, you guys have already done this. But it says, I have just taken a course on how to study the Bible. Have you done that? You're doing that now, right? Or how to study the Bible with others. One of the requirements is that I need to do a few studies with someone else. Would you be willing to help me by being my what? By being my partner. Now, how many of you have, well, I'll come back to this in just a minute. All right, number three, for the person who asks you a question. You know, one of the grave errors that Adventists make is that when people ask you a question, like for instance, why do you go to church on the Sabbath? Or, you know, what do you believe about this? Or what do you believe about that? One of the big problems is that we kind of pour out all that we know to that person in five minutes or ten minutes or maybe the next five hours, right? When I first began to give Bible studies, I used to invite people over to my apartment from when I was in college I used to feed them a meal because no college student would turn down a free meal, right? And then I would tell them the whole three angels' message over the next six hours. And it got to where, like, they were sitting on my couch like this, and I was, like, standing up just telling them all about the Sabbath and the change of the Sabbath and the Antichrist, and I was waxing eloquent, and they were like this. And by the, time, by the end of the Bible study, like, they were just like, i got to get out of here. And then it would go back to class the next day. They would be sitting on the other side of the class. And they would be avoiding me. And I couldn't get it. I was like, why could they not be so excited about this, right? Because we need to share just what? Little snippets, right? Little snippets. So don't overwhelm them. And what happens is this. If someone asks you, I, I often use the Sabbath because it's a very simple, clear-cut example. But if someone asks you about the Sabbath, why do you keep the Sabbath? Why do you go to church on Saturday? If I give them a complete answer on that, what happens? It, it may not turn them away, but what happens is, is I give them enough information that it satisfies their curiosity, and then they make a decision on the Sabbath without, based upon my words without ever opening the Bible. Does that make sense? So when someone asks me, well, why do you go to church on Saturday? I'll say something like, 
Well, you know, because the Ten Commandments say so. And I'll say, they'll say, what, they do? And I say, yeah, they say so. They say, where is that? I said, right in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. I say, oh, and then they'll start asking something. Well, 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 well tell me more about it. I say, well, you know, that's when I move into my line here. That's a great question. You know, there's so much about this. It's, a, it's, it's much bigger than a five-minute answer can satisfy. You know, I have a set of Bible studies that will explain it all. There's no way I can tell you and show you. I'd really have to show you from the Bible but I can't do that in five minutes. But I do have a set of Bible studies. Maybe, maybe, let's just say it's your coworker. Maybe we could get together once a week during our lunch hour. We can eat lunch and do a Bible study together. Would you like to do that? Simple, right? <clears throat> Isn't that easy? And most of the time, they'll say, yes. Yeah. Sometimes they'll say, well, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I, maybe not. I was just asking. I'll say, that's okay. If you change your mind, let me know. And then you'll have a daily contact with them. You'll be able to begin nurturing that. So maybe a week later, I might say something like, uh, if they say no to me, I might say, so um, what made you ask that question about the Sabbath? And then it gets me back into that conversation with them, right? And uh, if you want to know more, I've got these Bible studies. So don't be obnoxious, but be accommodating and be offering, right? So try not to give them a whole, a whole answer on a subject when they ask, because you want to keep dangling the what? The carrot, right? And you want to keep dangling until, because your best opportunity for them to understand that truth is to get them sitting down in a true Bible study. It's not discussing it with them, because then they start making decisions without having the truth in front of them. And that's bad, real bad. Now, sometimes I'm on a plane with somebody, and I know I'm not going to see them again, right? So I might give them more information and then give them a website that they can go to. But if I have daily contact with this person, I want to get them in a personal Bible study. Make sense? Isn't this beautiful? It's so easy. It's so easy. And all these years you might have thought, it's so hard. It's so easy. All right, number four. How about a person who has no interest in a subject or you know, they, have, they just have no interest? Sometimes the people who seem to have no spiritual interest are the ones that have the most spiritual interest. Does that make sense? But either they've been burned or they're a very private person or they, you know, they, they've had so much falsehood presented to them that they've just unplugged. Some of the people that are the most reserved about religion are the people who have had so many bad experiences and they've said to God, God, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to go to any more churches. I'm just going to wait for you to present to me the truth. Does that make sense? I'm going to wait for you to do that. And so sometimes those kind of people are that. So I will often probe people. I will say, I'll just throw out questions of all kinds. I'll say, you know, maybe I've gotten to know Bill on the job, and we've talked a lot. We've talked about cars and kids and gardening and fishing, and whatever he wants to talk about. And we've built a pretty good relationship. And I'll say, Bill, what do you think happens when a person dies? I'm not even necessarily have to talk about the Bible in that moment, but I just ask him that question. Bill, what do you think happens when somebody dies? And I'll just, I'll just let him talk. I'm not going to interrupt. I'm not going to butt in. I'm not going to say, yeah, but the Bible says, no, 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 no. I just let Bill talk. And as Bill talks, he's going to say, well, you know, 
I've heard all kinds of things. I've heard that we're reincarnated, and I've heard, you know, you have an experience of going through the tunnel or whatever, you know. And he's going to go on and on, right? But at some point, he may go on for three minutes. He may go on for three seconds. He may go on for three hours. But eventually, he's going to come to the place, probably, maybe not always, but most of the time, where he's going to do what? He's going to say to me, well, what do you think? And that's my what. Now, am I going to probably tell him what the Bible says about that on that little discussion? Probably not. But I might say something like this. You know, Bill, it's very interesting that you should ask me that. I've actually learned some things from the Bible that just blew my mind. I just couldn't believe it. And I said, and it really makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. And uh, I've, just, I've just been curious what other people think about this subject. And that's why I asked you. But I don't know if you'd be interested. I, this, this did so much for me. It, it gave me peace. It gave me help. It gave me rest. It, 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 it just changed the way I think. And it's so powerful. And it makes so much sense. Maybe you'd be interested in knowing, the, knowing about it. W would you mind if we shared that together? I have a great set of Bible studies that will talk about that. See how easy that is? You guys awake? You guys are, you guys are focused, right? Just making sure. Some of you look a little glossy-eyed. but um, So would you mind if we got together and did that and, and I could share that with you? I think you'd really enjoy it. So I'm not, I'm not pushy. Does that make sense? And a lot of times I, I'm just very nonchalant and Bill might say, oh, yeah, sure, we can do that. And I'll say, well, how about if, you know, Monday we get together during lunchtime, lunch hour, and we'll sit down and we'll, we'll eat our lunch together or I'll buy you lunch or whatever. Um, I always buy people a lot of lunches and people like free lunches, right? And, uh, and I'll say, let's do that. And he'll say, sure. Very simple, right? All right. Um, other questions I'll ask is, you know, maybe they're a Christian already. Maybe they're already a Christian. I'll say, you ever wonder if the, if the United States is, is mentioned in Bible prophecy? You know, I just, I, just, I just did a study on that. I found some profound things. Maybe we could talk about that. Maybe we could sit down and study that together sometime, right? And so uh, it's very easy to do this. And you have to gauge the person. Are they, are they religious? Are they not? Are they Christian? Are they Muslim? And you have to find those questions, and you pray about this. Find those questions that are going to appeal to, that, to their particular life, their worldview. Okay, does that make sense? It's not that hard to do it, and the Lord will give you the, the answers. Now, now, do you remember I told you the best thing you can do for people is to do what? Ask questions. And you will get farther with people asking questions than you will making statements. Instead of always trying to tell people the truth, I ask them about the truth. And, and then eventually it opens up the window and the opportunity much qu more quickly for me to then share the truth. Does that make sense? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, number five. For the person who knows the Bible or expresses something spiritual. You know, um, sometimes I've gone door to door and I'm knocking on the door and I take people through the survey and I, you know, I go through the survey and the questions and then at the end I talk to them about Bible studies. Would you like to do more Bible studies? And they'll say, well, I'm a Sunday school teacher or I'm a pastor. What, what, would you, what would you do? Most people, they're like, 
they freeze and they're like, oh no, because we're always looking for somebody who's what? Beneath us in knowledge, right? But how many of you know there's many biblical examples of people who are, you know, even Jesus when he was in, in the temple, right? I mean, he still knew more than they did, but he was 12, and they were blown away that he knew all these things, right? And so don't be intimidated by people who know a lot or who think they know a lot, right? Uh, Sunday school teachers or whatever. When they say that, I say, wow, that is so awesome. I'm so thankful for that, that you're, that you're teaching the Word and you're sharing uh, the, the Bible with people. It's a blessing. And um, I'll say to them something like, you know, I have these lessons, and I'm always looking for feedback on them. Would you be willing to do them together with me and give me feedback on what you think about them? I think that's a, that's a blessing. Amen? And you know what I've found many times? I've studied with these kind of people. Then the next thing I know, they slip up, and they say, yeah, I've been doing these in my Sunday school class. Oh, really? <laughs> and they're like, oh! And they don't want you to know. Sometimes they're very happy to do that. But I will use that line as well to people. I'll say, look, you know, a lot of times people use these lessons and they, the truth they find in there is so powerful and it's so compacted that a lot of Sunday school teachers are looking for new material and they use these in their classes. You might, that might be something you're interested in. I'd be happy to, to show them to you just free and you just tell me what you think about it. If you ask for people's opinion on stuff, guess what, friends? You get it. And they want to give it, don't they? They want to give it. So also, um, sometimes people might say, oh, yeah, you know, they'll say, I just learned about, um, I, just, I just learned some new theory on the rapture or whatever. I just learned this or that or anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be Christian. It could be not Christian. It could be anything. And I'll say to them, oh, wow, that's very fascinating. You have to learn this, this, this particular line when you're doing Bible work. That's very interesting or fascinating. Let's say it together. That's very interesting. That, one more time. That's very interesting. And whenever somebody says something bizarre or wild to you, and they're like, yeah, you know, I just, I'm, I'm into spirit science, and, and there's these tablets, and and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just sitting there listening. And then, they re and then they finish, and I say, that's very interesting, isn't it? Is it not very interesting? Yeah. And then even though, I mean, you may not really want to, but for the sake of their soul you want to, I'll say, I'd really love to hear more about that. Because if you say, I have this over here, they may not be what? interested in that because they think they've found the what? The truth, right? So you, it may not be the best opportunity for you to offer them Bible studies in that moment, right? But I say, wow, I'd be interested in hearing more about that. Could we get together? I'd like, I'd like you to tell me more about that. And so I meet with them. Now, sometimes this can lead you on a rabbit trail, and time will tell, and the Lord will reveal it to you. But you pray and ask God, God, if this is a true seeker, then let it pursue. If it's not, then somehow end it. And let me tell you, friends, I can't tell you how many Bible studies I've, I've prayed about. And I said, God, if this is not a true person that's going to follow you, then somehow bring it to an end. And, and he brings it to an end. Because God doesn't want you to waste your time. 
If you ask Him, if you let Him be your guide, if you pray about everything fervently, God will direct you to the right people. There's never been a day where I haven't prayed, God, lead me to somebody that can share the truth with that He hasn't done it. Never. And it doesn't matter where I am. I could be at the Michigan Conference camp meeting, but He'll do it. If you pray that prayer every day, you're going to find somebody. God's going to lead you to somebody. Amen? So, it may not be that now's the right time for me to offer those, but I may say, hey, I'd like you to hear, I'd like you to do, tell me more. So when they start to tell me more, I'm looking in what they tell me for what? An opportunity. An opportunity, but more specifically, as they tell me what they believe about this, for instance, if it's a Mormon and they're telling me, you know, about their faith, right? I'm, I'm looking for what's in agreement, right? But I'm also looking for what's not in agreement, and I'm going to start asking them questions about what's not really, I'm, I'm looking for the holes. Does that make sense? Does something coincide? So, for instance, uh, I was at the Kalkaska Fair one day, and we had our eight laws of health, our booth set up, and there's this girl that's coming through all the booths, and she's just loving it, man. She's like nutrition and sunlight and water and all this stuff. And I'm just watching her, and her face is just like beaming. She's probably like 22 or something like that, 20, college student. Her face is just beaming as she looks at all these things. She's going for one. She's just having a great old time. She turns over, and she looks at my booth, the very last one, which is trust in God. And I saw the visible change on her face. She's smiling and she goes like this. And I said, why the sad face? You were so happy just a minute ago. She says, you had all these wonderful things and then you had to ruin it with God. And I said, oh, I said, well, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry your experience was ruined. I, she said, I don't believe in God. I said, really? I said, why is that right why don't you believe in God and she starts firing off about well there's no evidence for God and there's no uh, you know there's no science backed up with God and blah 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 and I said really I said okay I said so so then what you're telling me is you believe in evolution oh yes and I said wow I said I studied evolution in college she was like you did because a lot of atheists assume that if you're a Christian you're just an idiot okay and what you can't do is act like an idiot. And you can't be a fool in front of them to confirm their, their beliefs, right? And so I just very kind and sweet to her, and I just said, oh, so, so tell me why you don't believe in God. And she goes off and she lists all these things. And I said, so you believe in evolution? She says, yes. I says, well, tell me what, what um, evidence you found that confirms the theory of evolution. She starts going off on all this stuff. And I said, I said, okay. I said, so you believe in these theories that your professors have given to you in the textbooks? She says, yes. I says, but have you actually ever seen the process of evolution take place? Have you ever seen the confirmation of what they're telling you? And she's like, well, no, not really. I said, so, so but you believe your professors? Well, yes, I believe them. And uh, I says, but you've never seen it for yourself. And she says, no. I says, and how do you know exactly that what they're telling you is the truth? 
how do you know that for sure? And she was like, I don't know. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, can you tell me one example of, now I'm not, you got to be very careful. You cannot be arrogant. You cannot be cocky. You have to be, you cannot just, well, I'm going to show this atheist a thing or two. If you have that attitude, you'll lose them in about two seconds. Okay? And I'm very just kind with her. I, says, I said, I've always been curious about this because I also study evolution. I said, can you tell me any example, either in the fossil record or living, where one species has made the successful transition into a new species? And she went, and she went, and she just stopped. And I just, I just smiled, and I'm just waiting. I'm just smiling, smiling, waiting, and she's going. And she says, oh, I can't think of one. I said, oh, okay. I says, then how do you know for sure that it's true? Could it be that you are also exercising faith in what your professors are saying? But here's a question for you to ask your professor. Ask them, have you ever seen the, 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 the literal evidence for that? And they can come up with all this stuff. I said, but let me, let me say this. I said, even if evolution was true, even if evolution was true, I said, does that really prove that God doesn't exist? And she was like, no. I, and so, so now what have I done? I've kind of, in a, in a, in a certain way, I've won her confidence, right? I've all, I've won her confidence. So, so, so then I say, so tell me about your experience growing up as a child. Did your parents go to church by chance? And what do you think her answer was? They did. I said, tell me about your experience in church growing up. Well, she goes off and she tells me about how her parents were hypocrites, the people in the church were judgmental, and blah, blah, blah. And then I said, so, so you never really experienced a loving God growing up, right? She says, no. And I said, so what you're really telling me is, that you're really angry with people who believe in God, not, not really God himself, because you don't really know who he is. She was like, well, maybe that's true. Then I said, well, let me ask you. I said, when you think about the Bible, you think about the promises that God gives us, and he wants to do this, he wants to do that for us, I says, would you want, if, if you knew it could be true, would you want it to be true, that there was a God who wanted to be your friend, he wanted to be personal to you, he, you knew he cared about you, you knew he had a, a wonderful plan for your life and a future for you, would you want it to be true if you thought it could be true? And she says what? Well, sure I would. I says, so what you're telling me is you're not really an atheist, you're actually a seeker of truth, is that right? And she was like, yes, I want to know the truth. And listen, there you go. You, you, you start to pull back those layers, right? And some of the people whom you think would never be interested are actually the most interested. And so then I said, let me tell you my experience. I was in the same place you were. And this is what I found. I told her about Bible prophecy, that one of the greatest evidences that the Bible is true is the... Um, 
is the revelation of prophecy that God predicted very specific things thousands of years before they happened, right? And she's like, I never knew that. I said, wow, it's something you should check out. And uh, she actually lived in another place. So I got her information. I, I said, and another thing she told me was all the atrocities that the church did. I said, would you be amazed if I told you that the Bible actually said that would happen, but that was not what God had planned? She was like, she was just blown away. I said, here's an amazing book, I think, that you would really enjoy. And guess what book it was? Great Controversy. I said, all the things you've told me today are answered in that book. You read this book, it'll change your life. And she took the book. She wasn't going to take anything from me. And she wasn't going to give anything to me except a dirty look. And God used it. Amen? So look, this is the powerful thing. That's very what? Interesting. Tell me more and then ask what? Questions. And then when you get, when, you, when the layers of that onion, the, the, the layers of the heart begin to peel back and people become more and more vulnerable to you by asking questions in a kind, sincere, humble way, then you get to the place, finally, where you can say, you know, I think you're really looking for this. Would you be interested in studying the Bible? Does that make sense? It's not that hard. It takes, a, it takes a little guidance. It takes actually a lot of guidance from the Holy Spirit. It takes a lot of experiences to master it, but God will do it. All right, what about the person who might be facing difficulty in their life? Let's just suppose you have a coworker who just lost their mother last week, right? And they're aching, their heart's hurting. And you go up to them, and what am I going to do? I'm going to, what's Christ's method? Mingle with them. I'm going to say, hey, you know, I know you've been struggling. How about if we have lunch together? Can we have lunch together today? I'll buy your lunch. Let's go. Wherever you want to go, we'll go and eat. So then I'm going to go with them. Then I'm going to, I'm going to mingle. Then I'm going to sympathize with them, right? And uh, I'm going to say, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know it's heartbreaking for you. And I know the, the pain that you're, you're experiencing is beyond understanding. And I said, I just, I'm so sorry. Then I'm going to minister to them, right? What can I do to help you? Do you need me to wa watch your kids? Do you need me to feed your dogs, your animals? Do you need me to, to help you to prepare food for the funeral? What can I do to help you, right? And then I'm going to... Bid them what? Come follow him. Now, I'm not going to say, do you want a Bible study right then, right? But I'm going to say something like, I'm so sorry you've had such a hard time. And know when I'm facing challenges, I often find strength and courage from the promises of the Bible. I would love to share some of the things that have really helped me. And so they may say, okay, so what am I going to do? Am I going to give them a Bible study on the Sabbath right there? No. I'm going to show them one or two or three promises, not 10, not 40, Two or three that encourage me, right? That, that give them encouragement. And then I'm going to minister to them. Then sometime after the, I'm going to continue to do that. Maybe I'm going to send them a text every day with a Bible verse or whatever. And then after that funeral's over, I'm going to follow up. I'm going to take them out to eat again. And I'm going to say, I want you to know I've been praying for you. I want you to know that I, I care about you. And I believe that there are answers to the pain that you're feeling and you're experiencing. And I have an amazing set of Bible studies that I think would really help you 
It would really help you to process the pain that you're experiencing. Why is that, why, why that going to be my ticket? Because they want to do what? They want to process the pain, don't they? I think this will help you to bring some hope to you, to bring peace to you. Would you be interested in doing this? We can do it once a week or whatever. And what do you think, if you've ministered to them and they trust you, what do you think they're likely going to say? Now that, that takes time, doesn't it? It takes time. And, and sometimes you can get a Bible study with a person right there the first time I talk to them. Other times it may take a couple, two or three visits. Uh, but the Lord leads it. Amen? The Lord leads it. It's a beautiful thing. All right. We've got a few more minutes here. How about the person who doesn't want to commit? You know, you have these people that will always be like, oh, well, you know, I, I just don't want to commit. Um, they'll always ask me, how many Bible studies are in the lesson or in the series, right? And what do you say? Well, there's 42 lessons. And you're thinking, man, that's so exciting, right? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. No, thank you, right? I never tell people how many lessons there are. You know why? Because it drives them away. If it's 24 or 32 or whatever it is, what I'll say to them is, I'll say, well, there's a number of lessons in the series because there's a lot of subjects to cover. I said, but you can stop anytime you want. We don't, we don't have, you don't have to do all of them. And I say, well, I don't know. I don't want to know if I want to commit to all that. And then I'll bump it down. I'll say, well, how about this? How about if we do three lessons together? Can we do three lessons together? And we'll see how you like it after that. And if you like it, we'll keep going one at a time. If you don't like it, we can quit. But the truth is that if they are really open, the Spirit of God is working in their lives, once they do three, what's going to happen? They're not going to want to quit, right? They're going to be excited about what they're learning. And, and, and so oftentimes they'll say, oh, yeah, I could do three. Let's do three. I'll say, all right, we'll set up a time. The next three weeks we'll do this time together, right? What if they say no to three? How about one, right? Let's just do one. See how you like it. If you love it, great. If you don't, maybe we can do it another time. But most of the time, I would say nine out of ten times, if I can get them to just do one, they'll do more. Amen? They'll do more. Um, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to atheists, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, I don't believe God exists. I'll say, what if I could prove to you in three studies, three meetings, that there's a God, He exists, and He cares about you, and He's guiding the course of this world? What if I could prove that to you beyond the shadow of a doubt? I've had people say that to me. Oh, you know, I don't believe. I say, I can prove it to you. And they kind of laugh. And they say, I'm serious as a heart attack. I can prove it to you. And they, they'll do it just to prove me wrong, and they'll do it just because they want a good laugh, and I'll say three one-hour meetings. Give me three one-hour meetings, and I'll prove to you that God exists. And let me tell you, friends, I'm not saying this to both, but I have baptized a ton of former atheists because I've been one. I know the, I know the thought process. What's that? Yeah, I was coming to that. So the three studies I study with them are Daniel 2, Signs of the Times, and Great Controversy. You know why? Because in Daniel, some of you might laugh. Let me say this, friends. I have, I have, a, I have, a, I have a whole series on this of, of, of atheism and these kind of things. 
But if you study the history of atheism, atheism was birthed basically through the French Revolution in the 1790s. And that was a horrific time. It's prophetic. It's Revelation chapter 11. But God's response to the birth of atheism in the 1790s was the Advent movement in the 1830s and 40s. Okay? That was God's response to that. Because every argument that atheism makes, Adventism has the response to. Does that make sense? And every argument I've ever heard an atheist give, we have the answer to it as Adventists. Because they're always, they have all these different umbrellas of, of arguments and so forth. But the core, the handle of the umbrella is the character of God. And the Adventist message has unveiled the character of God like no other movement in history. Okay? And, and the reason atheism was birthed, if you read Great Controversy, is because of the Catholic Church's foolishness in the Dark Ages. That's what led men to reject God. And then here came the Advent movement, right? So at the same time men were rejecting God in the 1790s, God was fulfilling prophecy through 1798. He was giving them the evidence that they were looking for that God exists and that he didn't approve of that of the Catholic Church in the Dark Ages either. Amen? So anyway, so I say to them, I can prove to you in three studies that the Advent, that, not the Adventist Church, that God exists. So I study Daniel 2 with them because A, it gives credible evidence that the Bible is true and can be trusted. Because I draw a line across that statue at the chest and arms of silver, after I've gone through the whole statue, I draw a line across the image of the chest and arms of silver. And I say, do you know what this line represents? And they're like, no. I'm like, this line represents the approximate time that Daniel would have died. And yet he revealed with perfect accuracy the fall of of um, Medo-Persia to Greece, and in fact, in chapter seven and eight, uh, chapter eight, he mentions Greece by name, and they were not even in power when he died. And the the fall of Greece to Rome, and the division of Rome into those ten parts, and those parts are what are existing in 2016. So this study, this prophecy, speaks to 2016. So it shows the relevancy and the credibility and the trustworthiness of Scripture. And I asked him the question, how could a man, unless he was been, had, had it revealed to him through divine revelation, how could a man be able to know those things, right? So secondly, the signs of the times, because it speaks to modern times, people think the Bible is irrelevant, that it's old, it doesn't matter anymore. Signs of the times, and I have a, a unique study on that. I don't just give the general ones, but we don't have time to do that today. And then thirdly, I do the great controversy because it answers their, their, their frustrations about what? About the character of God, how God can be good, and yet there's evil in the world. Those three studies. Then I get to the end of those, and I say, I'm not asking you to believe in God. I'm asking you, do you think that there's enough evidence that we could put some kind of confidence in the Bible and we could have some kind of trust towards God if these things are true. What do you think? And they're like, yeah, I think so. I say, look, let's keep studying then because what you saw in these three studies only gets better. It only gets deeper. It only gets more thorough. And they're like, okay, I'll do that. And friends, I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing to see an atheist accept the Lord. 
Those are the things that led me to Christ. If it had not been for Daniel 2, I would not, I'd probably be dead. So, 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 so many times we think that what we already have is like, well, we need something else. We need something new. No, we just need to be serious. We need to believe in what we believe and believe it with such enthusiasm and such conviction that when we share it with others, they're going to believe it too. The problem with the message is not the message. It's the messengers that's the problem. We're not convinced that our message is true. We're not convicted about it because we haven't studied it ourselves. But when we get excited about it, others will get excited about it, and we'll see the power in it. Amen? We'll see the power in it. All right. Uh, so I went through that one. For the skeptic, what could I prove? Oh, I mentioned this. What could I, if, if I could prove to you that the Bible is real in three studies, why not give it a shot? What do you have to lose? And I'll say to them sometimes, if nothing else, you get a good laugh out of what I'm going to tell you. And they're like, all right, all right, all right, whatever. All right, we have 10 minutes. Are you guys good for 10 more minutes? What if I said we could stay till like 6 o'clock tonight? Would you do it? Yes, you would, of course. All right, those are simple, easy ways to ask, all right? Now, where do I look for interest? Where do I look for interest? Start internally with your church visitor list. You would be amazed, friends, how many people are coming in and out of your church and you don't even realize it every Sabbath, even if you're in a small church, even if you're in a small church. Now, what I did is at Lansing is we pretty much did away with the church guest book. It's useless. The only people that fill that out are other Adventists that come to my church. And, and to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to be unkind about it, I'm really not interested in sitting in my office and flipping through the book and seeing what other Adventists came to visit my church. It's not my favorite pastime, okay? What I want to know is who? Who are the visitors? So we kind of did away with the church guest book because it's very hard to get the visitors to do that. And we have a card. We have a visitor card. It's in every pew of the church. And we have a gift bag when people come to the door. It has the, the card on it. It has a loaf of bread. It has a couple of, of uh, papers I put. I have something like, do you know these seven incredible facts about Seventh-day Adventists? And it has seven points about Seventh-day Adventists. It talks about we have the largest, uh, we're the most widespread church in the world other than the Catholic Church. We have the largest hospital network. We have the largest education system. And just some simple facts about, about Adventists like that. Most people don't even realize. And there's this card that says, you know, my name is so-and-so. Um, how did you hear about us? You know, the standard card. And I have a stack in my office of cards like this of people that visit our church. Some of them are Adventists, but the stack just keeps growing, and we've baptized some of those people. And you have on there, I'm interested in, you know, church newsletter. I'm interested in, um, you know, Bible studies. I'm interested in health events, whatever. If you don't have one of those in your church, it's the simplest way to do it. I can even give you the one that we use. It's very simple. But Follow up on those visitors. When they visit your church, even if they don't check anything, go to them and say, we're so thankful you came to our church. Here, we want to give you a little gift. Stay at their house for like five minutes. We want to give you a little gift. We want to thank you for coming to our church. And uh, you can take this card right here, and you can say, I don't know if you've heard about our Bible school or not. 
is something you might be interested in. You have this card. Have they talked about this card, you guys? You're going to talk to them about it, right? You're going to talk to them. They'll talk to you about it. But this is part of the, the Bible study reformation. You say, have you heard about our Bible school? We have a free course in Bible studies you might be interested in. Very simple, very easy. And show them this card, and they can begin to check off if they're interested in Bible studies. It's so easy to do that. And we've gotten so many Bible studies that way. Number two, missing members. Y'all, How many of y'all have missing members in your churches, right? Last fall at Lansing, we did three Sabbaths in a row uh, where we went out, we sent our church members out, and we did visitation of missing members. And we had a list of them. We had about 40 members that went out visiting in teams of two. And we sent them out with a gift bag full of bread and uh, an invitation to the Doug Batcher series that we did. And uh, I have a whole class on how to reach out to missing members. I'll give you the notes, but I don't have time to do that today. But missing members, many of those people have come back to church. And they're coming to church now because of that outreach. It's not hard to do. You just have to organize it and do it. Number three, the youth in the church. When I taught at AFCO, um, we, had, uh, we used to go into churches and we would you know, spend the semester with them and then we'd do the meetings with them and we'd do Bible studies in their community. And one church we went to, we always asked them for a list of unbaptized youth in the church. And we would send our students to connect with those families. Okay? And I remember the pastor... We started engaging with some of these young adults that were like 25, 28, 29 years old, never been baptized, still coming to church. They're almost 30 years old. And we said to the pastor, Pastor, how come these people have never been baptized? And he said, well, they've never asked. I said, uh, how come they're not doing Bible studies? Oh, they've never asked. So I went to the youth. I went to that, well, I can't say youth, like young adult, right? They're like almost 30. They got jobs. I said, how come you've never been baptized? No one ever asked me. No one ever asked me. Well, would you, would you be interested in baptism? Would you like to be baptized? Oh, yeah. I would love to. But no one's ever asked me. It's not their job to ask. It's whose job? And don't, don't dare say the pastor. It's our job to be monitoring those people. Are you with me? So the youth in your church, you might have, you might have young adults that have gone to church and never made a decision. You're thinking, and the church is sitting there thinking, oh, man, I really hope that they make a decision sometime. And they're thinking, man, I really hope someone has asked me to be baptized sometime. And the two need to meet. Amen? So look in your, look in your church. Spouses of fa or family of established members. You got... You got Single men, single women coming to church, they're married, but their spouses don't come. Um, you know, you need to reach out to them. Go over to their house and talk to them and say, you know, I just want to stop by and get to know you a little bit. Now, I've never really gotten to chat with you much. Um, what are your interests? What do you like to do? Remember this one guy? He used to come to church with his wife every so often. He was a nasty guy, nasty, mean guy. And uh, one time I tried to greet him during potluck. And I said, hey, Jim, how you doing? I stuck my hand out. And he had his fork in his hand. He looks at me and he goes, I'm eating. Don't bother me. And he took the bite and I, he never shook my hand. But I just kept being friendly with him, friendly with him. And finally he comes up to me and he says, I want you to come shooting skeet with me. 
And I said, okay, let's do it. When do you want to do it? So we did it. And we, we, I set it up, and we, I went to his house. And this guy was like the big-time hunter. He has like a shotgun for every hunting day of hunting season, right? He has a different gun. We get out there, and we're shooting. And I beat him three times in a row. After that, he's my best friend. At the same time, I'm studying the Bible with his wife and son, uh, stepson. And prior to that time, he would just come through the kitchen. I would say, Jim, you could come join us. He would just look at me and go, uh-uh. And he would just keep walking. He's sitting in there watching football and stuff. But after a while, I could, I could notice that he was, like, coming through more often, right? <laughs> I said, Jim, you can join us anytime. Uh-uh. No, no. More often, more often. Then finally, one day I came, and he sat at the end of the table. I said, Jim, you could come down here if you want to. No, no, I'm good right here. All right, no problem. But he sat through the Bible study. And then, the, and then the next week, he was in the same spot. But then the week after that, he was kind of like halfway between where he was and his wife. <laughs> Come on down, Jim. No, I'm good. And after about two more weeks, he was sitting right beside his wife. Amen? And we had the privilege of ending up baptizing that guy because we went and established a relationship with him. Amen? And we offer, and so many of these people, spouses, family members, go and just get to know them. Go fishing with them and do that. And then offer them Bible studies. And you'll find that God will do it. Amen? God will do it. Number five, media interests or people who have gone through a previous series. Um, before I get to that, I want to mention this. Some of the other, some of the best interests are, if you can the people that are newly baptized, you ask them, just what I told you earlier, do you have friends or family? Before they go and tell them about the mark of the beast and they cut off all family ties, right? Do you have anyone that would want to study the Bible? And they say, well, there's this, this, and this. And I say, let's go visit them. Let's go visit them. We go visit them, and we ask them if they'd be interested in doing Bible studies. And sometimes they say no, but sometimes they say yes. Beautiful way to do it. You don't even, I mean, we want, we, we'll go out and knock on doors, but many times, you, just looking right here, you can find a ton of Bible studies right there, right? So there are uh, media interests. You can call Amazing Facts. You can call It Is Written, any of the media centers, and you can give them your zip code, and they'll give you a 10-mile radius of people who have done Bible studies. Yes? But here's, let me, just, let me just pause you right there. That's true to a degree. But I would guess somewhere between 80 and 90% of the young adults that grew up in the church don't really know our message. They've never really been through it. Yeah, they know the Sabbath is the right day, but they've never studied prophecy. What's that? Some, some of them may have. And, and, and the... So I'm not saying that all of them. I'm saying that many of them. And there are some people that are just going to know the truth and they're just going to rebel against it. So your, your best opportunity is to be on your knees for them, okay? To reach out to them and to love them and to try to bring them in. Um, to not beat them over the head. 
Uh, but many young adults that I've found, they never, they've never really studied our identity. They've never studied Revelation. How many of you know what Revelation 10 says? Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10. The angel comes down, puts his foot down. He has the, the book that's been sealed. Uh, how many of you know what that is? Okay, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of faltering even in this room. Revelation chapter 10 tells us where the birth of the Adventist church came from. Okay? And so, and so a lot of our young people, they've never studied our prophetic message. But let me say this. Every young person that I know who has studied it, who has studied it in depth, and they've studied the fullness of it, not just your little standard, but they've studied it in depth, they become very excited about it because they realize that they have an identity. So, so many of these young people, they have not. Um, and so we're trying to win them off these little, you know, Joel Olstein devotionals, and that's not going to do it. Okay, it's not going to do it. And the only way, because our message is so contrary to the world, is, is the only way they're going to buy into it is if they have total buy-in to it. Does that make sense? Total buy-in to it. And so, anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. And, and Well, sometimes sometimes a pastor can visit them and help them, but but it's going to be the members ultimately that need to be reaching out because the pastor is not going to be able to get to them all. And he's not going to be able to do everything that they need. It's going to be need to be a combined effort. And so, um, oh, you know, I would encourage those young people. Sometimes, like I said, Jesus had Judas. Judas knew the truth, and Judas still rebelled. So there's always going to be young people who are going to leave the church. They're just going to. It doesn't mean we can't reclaim them, okay? But, yeah, you need to go out and visit them. And when people are young, their frontal lobes have not fully developed yet. So they're thinking about everything that they want to do in life. They're not always thinking spiritually. So praying for them, staying close to them, and sharing the truth of them as we can. Not, being, not saying, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, you shouldn't be getting that tattoo. That's not what I'm talking about. But invite them to do Bible studies. If you invite them to do studies, some of them will say no. Some of them will say yes. Some of them probably want it. But they're too... I guess the word would be prideful, to ask. And they're doing all these things, but they're not happy in what they're doing. So different people are at different stages. Some young people are going to be happy about what they're doing, wrecking themselves right now. But there's going to come that place. You're always looking in that, for that place where what they had hoped for has let them down. Does that make sense? What they've hoped, what they would gain, has let them down. And that's the time. The time is not to ask when they're still excited and ambitious about their plans and they're pressing them forward. But when those plans kind of crash, same thing with like Jehovah Witness. The time to ask them to study is not when they're gung-ho, when they become frustrated and discouraged in the church. That's the time. You're looking for those moments and, and windows of openness where either God has brought conviction to their life or they're experiencing a, a challenge and a trial in their life and a difficulty. Does that make sense? And so sometimes that takes time.
takes time, a lot of prayer. But if they study our full prophetic message, most young people respond to it because it's a message for young people. It's a message for all people. But young people get excited about that. They do. And I, I could say more, but we don't have time. And we're going to finish in about 30 seconds here. So you can call any of these media centers, and you can give them your zip code. They'll give you a 10-mile radius um, of what people have done those lessons. You can mail them a letter that says, we're so thankful that you're doing the Bible studies. Here's an offer for a free DVD or whatever you're going to offer them. I would offer them a DVD. And if you'd be interested in this, mail it back. Put, when you do a mailing like this, you have to make it as easy as possible for the person to respond. What do I mean by that? You put, a, you put an envelope in there that has the return address, even a stamp on it, because you're not probably going to get thousands. You're only going to get a couple dozen. So you can afford to put the stamp on and make the... Make a little sheet that's separate, fill out this sheet, put it in the envelope, mail it in, and we'll get you your DVD. When you get those back, what do you do? You go visit them, free interest, amen? Free interest. You go visit them, and you say, we're so thankful you responded, here's your DVD. We want to give you this free gift as a DVD, and maybe even take them some cookies and say, and have this card with you. And say, to go along with this DVD, we have a wonderful Bible school. Have you heard about our Bible school? And we'd like to offer this to you to, as a companion with the Bible study. And in fact, one of, the, one of the options is a DVD set, Landmarks of Prophecy. And they'll go through with you how to do this card. But you go through that card with them, give them the option, boom, Bible study. It's that simple. Yes? Uh, they'll be in the notes, but you can... Uh, you can even Google it online, Amazing Facts, contact us. If, but we'll get you this here. All right, what's that? That's up to Elder Howard. All the class sessions. We will get them to you, though, one way or another. So, Ten nights to get a Bible, yeah. So I have, I have more... We got a little bit behind today. Uh, I, I have 25 ways that you, creative ways to get Bible studies, that um, you know, ways of going door to door and different things. But we'll cover some of that tomorrow, and uh, we'll just push through and do as much as we can. Okay? Was this helpful today? Yes. And uh, you, you got something out of it. All right. Well, let's pray. We're going to go to lunch. Yes, sir. One more question. Okay. Yeah, I'll be available here if you need to talk to me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We're thankful, Lord, that it's not that hard. You didn't want to make it hard because you want us to do it. And we just need to. And when we do it, you will provide. So we ask for your blessing now as we, you develop that courage within us to share with others. And Lord, by your grace and by your spirit working in their life and ours, we'll bring souls to you and they'll be converted. They'll receive your truth, and their lives will be changed for eternity. And we'll be able to stand with them on the sea of glass and present them as evidence of your, of your power working in us. So we praise your name, Lord. We ask for your blessing. Give us courage, strength, and power. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.